Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, friends. I'm Ashley Kramer. And I'm Brittany Labby. And this is More Than a Season podcast. With the help of men and women across all sports and levels, we dive deep into the highs and lows of the sports industry. No topic is off limits as we discuss the struggles and stereotypes while celebrating the successes and community that comes with this lifestyle. So whether you're a coach's or athlete's significant other or just enjoy talking about sports, you are welcome here. Let's take a look beyond the season and get started with today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Ashley. And Brittany. And we are your host for more than a season podcast. We are excited because it's almost football season for us, but we've got a couple things to do before we can even start the season. And so one of them, Brittany is still not here yet. So she's got to come back. I know. (laughs) I feel like it's been forever since I've seen Ashley. We've been doing long distance, her and I, for a couple months now. So I'll be back in Starkville next week and we will be planning some really, really fun stuff. Yeah. It's fun because, you know, I think always being together is better, but we've had to be really creative over (laughs) trying to do things apart. And I know like, thank goodness for technology, but I think that it's so much easier when we're in the same room. So it'll be, (laughs) you know, double trouble back in action in a couple weeks. So it'll be good. (laughs) Yeah. We're excited to bring you guys some really fun stuff when we're back together. Our reels are just better when we're together. (laughs) I know it is. I feel like we're just more creative juices or something or like flowing in the room. But we did share, we did share something fun this week, cheer gear. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, we were really, how long have we been talking about this for? I think we talked about cheer gear March. Yeah, March. Yeah, this has been a long time coming for us, I feel like. We love sheer gear. Yeah, their bags are just such great quality. And Leslie is a boss babe that owns the company, started it. Um, and the quality is just amazing. And I think that that's hard to come by when you're trying to get a cute bag, but you have to stay within the stadium you know, requirements. So it's yeah. pretty great that she has created this niche. Yeah, it was funny. I like, I swear I bought a new clear bag every single year since Drew and I have been dating because it would break inevitably at the end it was like it looked so janky I had like duct tape and it was tied around the sides and it was like hanging by a thread like towards the end I'm like okay and I would constantly ask him like you got any more of those free bags because you know they would get them through um their sponsor but they were crappy bags that's why they would get them for free so I used to use zip ties to like close the end so yes super bad (laughs) shouldn't use zip ties at this age (laughs) for anything. Definitely not for your purse. (laughs) Not for my purse. It was like a new couture. I was just like going for it. I was like trying to make a statement. I don't know. (laughs) You definitely made a statement. I'm sure. I did. (laughs) I know some people are probably like, who does she belong to? I don't even know. But I do know that you have something coming up this weekend. You're traveling across the United States. Yeah. I don't even know how you do it. I I have no idea. And it's going to be a family affair because I'm going with my parents and my brother and my dog and we're all going to Boston and we are actually going to be going to my cousin's wedding and my dad's from Boston so I will be solo of course because Drew is in football so I seriously think we've only attended one wedding together 
he missed my brother's wedding. He missed like all my friends' weddings because they all got married in the fall, which I think is so weird. I always thought people loved summer weddings until I got yeah. to the age where I was attending weddings and like in weddings. And now everyone wants a fall wedding. Yeah, it's weird. I wonder if it's like a trend. I don't know. I, I feel like once Carson and I started dating before we got married, when he like told me a fall wedding is never a thing. <laughs> I I think I just, I don't know. I just naturally was like summer. I don't know. I Did don't it know. crush your dreams? Did you have envision of a fall wedding? No, you know, what's so funny. I always wanted a 4th of July weekend wedding. And I I think I just laugh because it's like most brides get to pick their time of the year. And it was like, yeah, no, you don't get any option. Mm -hmm. This is literally two weeks. So it's funny when we got married, the week that we got married, 4th of July was Thursday. Then Friday was the 5th. So everyone was off. And then the 6th, we got married. So it was really kind of cool how the holiday fell. But yeah, yeah. I always loved 4th of July weddings. I feel like that's so fun because people get time off. Everyone loves celebrating. And most of the time people don't have like a plan. You know what I mean? Like they're not like some people do the same thing every year, but it's not like Thanksgiving or like Christmas where people always do certain things around that time of year. So you can get more people. Yeah, I will say that with wedding planning, it was crazy, though, because we planned our wedding together in Kansas. And then we had a long engagement, though, because I was like, if we have to get married in July, he proposed Memorial Day weekend in May. And I was like, yeah, I'm (laughs) not not doing three months. (laughs) I was like, no way. So we did May to the next July, which I'm so glad we did because he ended up getting the job at Washington state. And so he literally like left and we were long distance for the last like three months of our engagement. I saw him like once, I think I saw him once for like 48 hours. It was crazy. Crazy. I met Carson before I met you. He like came Mm -hmm. over to our house. I had just moved to Pullman and he came over and he just got there and he was talking about like your wedding. And it was so funny, like seeing that before even meeting you, seeing him I was like, what are you like, what are you doing for this? Because, you know, I'm asking all the wedding questions. And he's like, well, Ashley's handling all, handling all of that. I know. I know. He was so concerned. I don't know if it's a guy thing, but the number he didn't care about anything except for food, like what the food was and then what the guys were wearing. And yeah. that was it. Everything yeah. else. I was like, that's oh, fine. I also so. feel like guys are most of them. I've had I've had some groomzillas for sure, but <laughs> I think most guys are very bendable in the sense of. They'll say that they're really, really strong opinionated on one thing, but you can kind of get them to sway if you like have a really good argument. So yeah. And if y'all don't know, Brittany plans uh, wedding. She's like a wedding planner. It is her own business and side hustle for sure that she does an amazing job at. And so that's how she has all these uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got tips fun, and tricks. Fun tips if you need any. <laughs> yeah so we did the whole wedding planning thing and then it turned out fine but it's so funny because the sports industry most likely you do have to plan you know long distance and speaking of which with our interview today um she is engaged and it's kiki stokes and wonderful new intro to softball world for sure we're really excited about this one if you guys don't know I played college softball. I played softball my whole life. And so Ashley and I have actually been talking for a really long time about getting somebody from softball on the podcast, but we wanted it to be like the perfect person because 
I feel like when you're introing a new sport, you want someone to kind of come out with a bang of explaining that sport and then kind of diving into exactly what they do. And I, we could not have picked a better person, I feel like. Uh, shout out to Sammy that I work with because she spoke so highly of Kiki and was like, you know, I went to high school with her. She is just the best representative of the softball community and she could not be more right. Like I literally felt like with this interview, she is such a powerful voice and has the coolest platform, which you will all see. Um, She is the head coach um, at Upper Iowa University. And what's so crazy is her fiance is there as well. So Mm -hmm. like they weren't even expecting to both get jobs like at the same school. Cause we know how we all know how rare that is and it happened, which is just crazy yeah. to me. They have such an amazing story. They're planning their wedding. They are an interracial couple. They have this amazing platform, which we don't want to spoil because she just puts it so perfectly. They had the opportunity to kind of showcase their platform within the professional softball industry last year And so she's going to share all about that, but we're really excited for y'all to get to know her and we will see you on the other side of this episode. Hello everyone. How's it going? Hey everyone. Welcome back. We are so excited. We have a very special guest. We're going to toss it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Hi everyone. Thank you guys for having me. My name is Kiki Stokes and I am the head coach at Upper Iowa University new head coach. I just got this this job this summer, so I'm super excited to be taking over here. I'm originally from Olathe, Kansas. Grew up here, and I played softball at Nebraska for four years. Go Big Red. (laughs) And this is my going on my fourth year of coaching. So I originally started out at South Dakota State as an assistant coach, And then, um, like I said, I just got this head job at Upper Iowa, which is in Fayette, Iowa. So I'm super excited about this journey and I'm excited to be on the podcast today. So thanks for having me, guys. That's so exciting. Congratulations on getting your first head coach job. That's that's awesome. Thank you. So how did you know that you wanted to become a softball coach? I grew up playing softball my whole life, too. And for me personally, when I started coaching, I loved it, but I was like, it's not for me. So it's not for everyone. But how did you know that it was like for you? And this was like your journey? Yeah, absolutely. I've always, I guess, had a passion for like wanting to help people. I actually went to school for occupational therapy. And my fifth year, so my graduate year, I was like, okay, I like this. But like, I I really want to stay around softball. I really want to stay in it. And my head coach had said, you know, why don't you stay on and, and be a volunteer here at Nebraska for us. And so my undergrad year and my sixth year at Nebraska, I stayed as a volunteer coach and I absolutely fell in love with it. And then that's when I kind of realized, all right, I'm going to change career paths here. And if I want to pick up occupational therapy, I could do that again, but let's run with coaching and see where it takes me. And I am so glad that I got into it because I'm allowed to now like grow the game in a different way. I'm able to be a different voice than as a player and being a coach is so rewarding because you get to see kids, you know, have these light bulb moments and it's, it's so much fun. And, and they're looking at you to give them advice and 
it's so much bigger than the game too. So I, I love that I get to impact their lives in more than just one way. So I absolutely love it. And it's been an absolute great journey so far for me. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. I, I do want to just ask the question because softball is such a new sport that we are diving into. Even though Brittany has played it for so long, we have not interviewed many people for their journey going through softball and coaching. And so what um, do you think is the hardest part of being in the industry for softball, whether it be coaching or a player that many people probably don't even know or recognize? Yeah, I think it's just really finding the balance with life and sports. And you hear people talk about, you know, how much time they dedicate to the sport in itself. But, you know, it's a lot different from being a player to being a coach. I mean, there's you're, you're working 40 plus hour weeks, you're working almost every day, you're recruiting, you're meeting different people and recruiting different types of players. I mean, there's so much that goes into it that I think that the balance of, of life sometimes can be hard because you're like, you're trying to find that balance of, well, I want to work hard at what I do, but I don't want to give every ounce of my time to, you know, my job either. I want, I want to have time for my family and for my friends and to do fun things. And so that balance is something that I'm still trying to figure out how to, you know, navigate that. But it's something that I feel like I've gotten better and better at each year that I've I've been coaching. So I feel like with that too, I'm sure you've kind of gathered things from coaches and from your own playing experience and even from coaching before this that you've kind of taken on and you want to really instill in your program and your players. What's something that you have really valued and what you really want to put forefront in your program? I would say just passion and energy. If you can bring those two together, there's so much that you can bring out of each one with passion. You can bring out relationships and being able to share whether it's struggles and and life. Um, There's so much you can bring out of just passion in itself. And then just energy, being consistent, bringing an energy that's fun and positive to be around all the time. I mean, you hear it all the time, like energy can go a really long way, no matter if it's in the field, on the classroom. I mean, no matter where it is, energy can go a long way. And so just bringing that positive, consistent energy, that's really something that I'm looking forward to being able to instill in a lot of these kids, especially this generation of of women where we need to be able to empower empower them and let them be more confident in, in who they are and what they're doing. I mean, this is We live in such a crazy world right now. And I think that that's something that I'm really excited to be able to instill in this next generation of of athletes. No, that's super cool. And I know that Brittany and I are so excited to continue to watch your journey and what you do and just impact all of the players in the future. I want to, you know, kind of go with the whole backup and we want to dive deep because you not only are an athlete, you are marrying one that is in the sports industry as well. So not only could you not get enough of softball, but now you got to go and dive into football a little bit. So how did y'all meet and just, you know, going through a lot of changes with two sports at one time, different seasons, different career paths. So break it all down for us. How did y'all meet and get to where you are? Yeah. So my fiance's name is Sean. He is from a really small town in Iowa. It's called Prairie City, Iowa. He always says Des Moines because no one ever really knows uh, the smaller towns, but he's from Prairie City, Iowa. And he grew up there. And when I got to South Dakota State, he was in his second year, second year there. And he was the strength coach. Um, So he had, I think, wrestling at the time and 
track and field and some other sports. Well, I had a couple of, of friends that were also in the department and we had all gone out one night and I was like, who is this guy? Like, I've never seen him before, but he's real cute. Like, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. And at the time I was like, you know, not looking to be in a relationship or anything like that, but we ended up playing on the same intramural basketball team. So we had like a staff intramural basketball team. And so I had met him that one night and then we ended up being on the same intramural basketball team. And then from there, it kind of just was history. We started hanging out and not too long after that following year, he got a job at Upper Iowa, which is where we're at now as the assistant strength coach there. And so we were apart for about two years and we're about five and a half hours apart. And so it's been, it's been absolutely crazy how we've made this all work, but it was such a blessing when we got the call about the head job opening up for softball at Upper Iowa. And it was kind of like, we had been praying, you know, we, that we could both be in the same place and we didn't know what was really going to happen. We don't get married until June of next year. And so when this opportunity came, it was kind of like, uh, oh my gosh, this is really real life. Like, can we really be head coaches at the same school? And with this field, I mean, in coaching just in general with what we do, I mean, it's hard to find jobs where we can both be in the same place and, and get to do what we love. So it was an absolute blessing. And now we're here and we're in the same place. And it's awesome to start this journey as, as head coaches together. I think it's so cool. And I just, I want to add really quickly when, when you're going through all that long distance and Brittany and I have both done it, um, long distance relationships, it is so tough with communication because you're trying to just align everything. And then on top of that, your work-life balance. But I, I just want to know what was going through y'all's mind though. Did y'all have like a backup plan? Like if I can't become the head coach and we are at the same spot, I mean, I feel like just from talking to you these past few minutes, you are so driven. So I can't imagine you just saying, I'm going to hang it up and I'll just come to Upper Iowa and figure it out. So did you have that conversation or what did that look like? You know, when we got engaged is when we kind of started talking about, you know, what are we going to do here? Um, what's our plan? If, you know, if you get a job back here at South Dakota State, like what's kind of, what is, what, what do we want to do? And ultimately he was like, well, I just want to be wherever you're at. So I'll jump if I have to. And I said, you know, but I want to make sure that you can do what you love to. So like, if we've got to wait and be a little bit patient, then we might just have to wait. But we kind of really were just letting things play out as they played out. Um, we really weren't going to try to have the conversation about what we were really going to do until after the next following season. So next year when we were going to get ready to get married. And so we really just kind of were like, all right, well, whatever happens, happens, and we'll see. And then literally at the beginning of the summer, we got a call, and I'm like, it was it was such a blessing because it couldn't have happened at a, at a better time. Yeah, it's awesome. That's so amazing that you guys get the opportunity to be at the same school and both get to live your dream, and you don't have to give up something just yet at least and hopefully for mm -hmm. a long time for each other. But I'm sure long distance and long distance wedding planning is really hard. <laughs> Oh, so can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know that we have a lot of our followers that one do long distance and are trying to figure out like some good strategies to help them to get through it. And then also long distance wedding planning is a beast in itself. So, well, we got really lucky um, when we first got engaged. We were in Kansas City. So he proposed when we were in Kansas City and 
I said, you know, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be back in Kansas City is just because most of the time when we're we're on break at the same time, um, which is actually really nice when I'm off, he's off. And it's usually during the holidays. So when we were back here in Kansas City, we actually got to plan quite a bit. While we were here, um, I was like, well, let's go check out, you know, this venue and this venue while we're here. Let's try to knock out as much as we can while we're here. And then we've kind of just been doing that every time we come back home for little breaks and things like that. We'll try to wedding plan. But when we were apart, when I was in Brookings and, and he was in Fayette, we kind of really just, I feel like it's just the guy in him. Like, he's like, well, you, you got it. You got it. You it's, it's your day, you know? And I know it's my day too, but you plan it. And I'm like, well, I want you to be a part of it. And, and so we would just honestly just talk about, you know, what are some of the things that we want? What are, what do we really need? And so whenever we would talk and FaceTime and things like that, that's kind of when I would try to get the most out of him. But really, I think we've worked the best when we are together and when we can kind of try to knock things out. And I know that that's not always easy either, but now being in the same place, it's made wedding planning a whole lot easier, but he's still not helping as much as I would want him to. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the guys just care about what are we eating and what should I wear? When should I be there? It's like these little details that you're like, uh -huh. okay, well, there's a lot of other moving parts going on here. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're going to be a beautiful bride. I think that all Thank of those you. things are so fun. I actually was living in Kansas City and long distance planned my wedding to Dallas. So I definitely feel, yeah, I feel like I was back and forth on the flights trying to just make things work, but it's worth it in the end. So it'll be worth it. I promise. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I told him. I said, you know, this has been like, it's our journey and that's what makes it fun is, you know, everybody's looks different and not everybody's going to do what we do. And we, we've had the best support system, whether it's his family or mine that have kind of just been like, whatever you guys need, you know, we'll help. But it's, it's nice to know that like it's our pace and it's what we want to do and however it's our day so we can make it, you know, as dramatic as we want to or as basic as we want to. And that's kind of the beauty of it. How are your parents when you're like, mom, dad, I'm bringing home an Iowa boy just to let you know <laughs> that he, <laughs> he's, he's up. I mean, we like the Midwest here in Kansas, but like Iowa is a whole different breed of people up there yeah. because I have relatives up there. So I know. Going to school in Nebraska, so Lincoln was not, is not near like what, you know, where the town that he's from, but like I had a lot of teammates that were from smaller towns. And so bring, when it came to like bringing him home, I don't think that they really were like, okay, this is out of the ordinary. They're just <laughs> like, you know, cool. You know, we can't wait to meet him. But I think once they realized like how, like, I would say he's more of a city boy than a country boy. I really would say that. I mean, yes, he went to a school that is off in the middle of nowhere, but he, he's a city boy. So I would say that they kind of just were like, well, we can't wait to meet him. And they were excited now on the opposite side of the spectrum. And my fiance is also white. So on the opposite side of the spectrum with his family, I was like, oh boy, like small town, Iowa, like, I don't know what they're going to think. And they literally are the best people. It was such an awesome relationship from day one. His whole family has been nothing but embracing and they're, they're phenomenal. I mean, his heart is just like theirs. I mean, he's just got such a good heart for people and he's so caring. And so it's it's one thing that you always take into account. I feel like with interracial relationships just in general, it's always like, what's that initial, you know, 
meeting the family going to be like, it was a breeze with both of our families. So it was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like a lot of people can't say that. And especially with everything that went on last year and all of everything that's going on right now in the world in general, too. Like, that's amazing that you both have those support systems that really back you both up and your relationship up. And I went to school in Iowa and I swear they're the nicest people ever. I've been so many different places and people in Iowa are so nice. Like, they're just genuine and they care about you and people in, are nice in other places too but Iowa just takes the cake they, they really are I said that all through and through like everywhere I go I'm like dang Iowa people are just really nice or Kansas people are just really mean one of the two <laughs> the two but the Midwest in general I feel like it's just it it can vary anywhere and everywhere mm-hmm. it's just backgrounds and whatever else and what people view as acceptable and whatever else you know it's it's crazy that like we're all over the place when it comes to just viewpoints and having different ideas of things but yeah they they're great I agree I hope people are good (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you because I know that you're an open book and you completely gave us the floodgates open to ask any questions (laughs) with interracial couples we have a lot on our podcast that we have interviewed and that follow. And I think that, you know, there's always these questions that come up and Brittany and I both have continued our education, just trying to understand because we don't, I mean, we want to learn. And I, I think our listeners should hear and know what are those preconceived notions and fears that you have of being that couple that's interracial, even though to you and me and, you know, our hearts are pure, I want to know what thoughts that you've had and things that you've had to work through over the years to know that it's okay. Like, I don't care. I think initially, um, and I grew up in, in a town that was predominantly white. I mean, my school was pretty diverse for the most part, but again, it was predominantly white. And so for me, it's kind of always just been like, uh, you know, if I am going to look outside of my race for relationships, I just need to understand, you know, that some people might not always think the same way as me. So just have an open mind about that. That's something that I've kind of always thought about. And when you say like preconceived notions, I mean, there was there was so many at the beginning of when me and Sean first started talking just because I mean, he was so reserved and kind of quiet and shy. And then, you know, when he mentioned that he graduated with a class of like 60 something people, I'm like, okay, like, so I would assume that all of those people are probably white and you're from a smaller town in Iowa. So that means like, I don't know what your family is going to think. And that's kind of just my first initial thought. And it sucks that you have to think that way. Yeah, like you really don't think that you should have to think that way. But there are really some people that like just don't agree with that. And so when I asked him when we first started dating, I said, you know, you might not think anything of this, but, you know, what would your parents say? And what what, what would your parents think if, you know, you brought home a black girl? And he was like, well, nothing. They would, you know, just be happy that I was happy and that's all. And, you know, when we met them for the first time, that's exactly what it was. I, but I think that that's an initial fear, whether you're white or black, you know, that it's everybody's kind of notional. What are they going to think of me? How are they going to perceive me? So I think that that's like the, really the only preconceived notions that I really had. And then after that, I mean, after this past year kind of happened, I mean, they were always really open about listening to my journey and my story. 
But after this past year with everything that was going on with racial injustices in the country, and they were literally like, we're going to do our own work, but Kiki, like, we love you and we want you to know that we'll do whatever we can to educate ourselves, but it's not your job to sit here and educate us. Yes, it would be great like to talk to you and ask questions, but they weren't like the ones that were like, I just want to be educated. They just were like, we're going to do our part and we'll do the work and, and we'll ask you questions when we have it. And it's opened up such a different avenue of all of our relationships, which is really awesome. Me and Sean pretty frequently, I mean, we were always talking when that all initially went down. We both were just like throwing out our ideas and our opinions. And we were both like so supportive of each other's. And I think it just, again, opened up a different part of our relationship that we never really thought we had to get into either. But you would think by now, it's 2021 that like people would, you know, know some of these things. And then it's like a whole nother book that's been open for everybody. And that's all we can really ask is just that it continues to move along. Like there's no stopping it. Yeah, that's all great to hear because we don't feel qualified to answer something like that. And so I appreciate you um, being so honest and telling us just, you know, you need to do your work and do the Mm -hmm. homework and, you know, put yourself in that position to be better and to do better. So yeah, I love that you have that relationship with his family too. I feel like everyone kind of got hit in the face last year thinking one way or another, thinking, oh, I'm not racist at all. And then being like, wow, I haven't educated myself in the least bit and I need to be doing my own work, you know? And I think no matter how open you felt you were previously, just like his family, I know that I felt that too. And then when this whole past year happened, I was like, wow, I didn't realize all of these things and I really do need to Mm -hmm. educate myself and I need to take that extra step and and kind of realize what other people are going through. And I think that's just the selfish selfish nature of a lot of us too. But I love that they're so open and honest with you and you guys can have that conversation because I feel like that's just going to make people around him and his family and community and things like that better because they'll have those conversations with people that they know. And it's just, it's awesome that you guys get to have that open relationship. Yeah. And that's just what it feels like too. Like the more that like they ask questions, the more that they're impacting, like their maybe family that they don't really talk to all the time. And it's, it's cool. So it's, it's really nice to have that relationship with them because it makes me feel a lot more comfortable too. Like I, I never once ever felt uncomfortable, but feeling more comfortable is something that I, I definitely am like, yeah. This is this is family. That's amazing. I love that. And and we followed your journey on Instagram too. And I know that with softball and your team, you guys had an experience last year. Would you be comfortable sharing with us everything that kind of went down with that? Yeah. So um, last summer we were coming out of COVID and we were really just hoping to be one of the first professional teams back onto the field, just trying to shed light in a time where, I mean, you, George Floyd had just been murdered and then you had COVID was getting to its peak and so we were really just trying to be that that first team back out on the field and as we were playing our first game of the season there was a tweet that was sent out by our general manager and it had pretty much insinuated that we were all standing for the flag and no one was kneeling that's kind of how we viewed it word for word can't sit here and say what it is word for word but she did that while we were on the field and so it completely we didn't know anything about it so when we got off of the field 
we were all coming back into the locker room and we were all seeing the tweet that was being sent to us by all of the softball community. I mean, everybody had seen it. And in that moment, we kind of all just like sat there like, is this really happening? Like me being the only black person in the locker room, I definitely felt a whole different type of way about the situation than some of my teammates, but they knew exactly how I was feeling because they knew it wasn't right either. And I had been with the organization for, since the very beginning, I was the very first pick of the team in 2016. So the inaugural year of the team, I was the first pick and I'd been with them ever since. Um, so I was going on my fifth year with them and I had all the trust in the world in them. And when that happened, I just said, you know, I can't play for a team that doesn't understand not only how insensitive it was at the time and with what was going on in the world, but just in general. And I just realized that, you know, I can't, I can't play for a team like that. And I don't want to be a part of that. And so I'm sitting here in tears, you know, talking to some of my teammates and I'm just like, you guys, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, I can't be here. And they were like, well, then we're out. And it was just as easy as that. And when I tell you that was the one of the most powerful things in my career, um, seeing girls that I really hadn't even played with longer than two. There was a couple girls on the team. There was 11 of the girls were just in the Olympics. So there was 11 of the girls that were on team USA and some of them I had never even played with all but two weeks. And the fact that they would just drop their jerseys and say, we support you and, and we'll be hundred percent behind you was unreal. I mean, we walked out of that locker room together. The general manager tried to make a statement to us in the locker room and when she kind of mentioned the whole all lives matter thing, that was kind of when everybody was like, all right, we're out of here. Like you, you didn't apologize for what you said. You didn't say, you know, you made a mistake, anything of that nature. And we all just were like, okay, that's it. We're out. And so from then on, we kind of that week, we all stayed down in Florida and we tried to figure out, you know, what we wanted to do. And they were all like, you know, Kiki, what are you wanting to do? And I'm like, well, I came here to play softball and yeah, we're all down here. We might as well just keep playing. Like I didn't want to not play because I felt like if I didn't play, then she would have won and I didn't want that. So I wanted to stay and find a way to play. And through that whole week, we came together with all of our different resources to, you know, ask people to support us to continue to stay there and play. Because at that point we had been taken off of payroll. Everything was taken away from us in that moment. And so so many people stepped up and within a matter of like five days, we played that Friday and we literally put together a franchise. That's how we became This Is Us Softball. And it's been an absolute journey to continue that mission and to continue going on with it. We did not get to play this summer with COVID. We just didn't want to risk, you know, the same thing. We wanted to start on a clean slate, but we actually are still running and going. This is us is a, a complete LLC. There's four of us owners, um, Monica Abbott, Ali Carta, and Aubrey Leach and myself are the four owners. And we're going to continue the mission to spread awareness, empowerment, and unity. And it's nice to be a part of something like that too, because the softball community is lacks, you know, the knowledge of diversity and inclusion. And so being able to bring some more light to the softball community is all we really want to do. And if we pick up a softball again, we pick up a softball again, but there's, we all realized that it was so much more than softball. And that's why people jumped on board to support us because it was about our lives and, and who we are as people and, and not about, you know, balls and strikes. So that's kind of what happened in a nutshell. I know that was a little long winded. No, but. that was, that's amazing. Honestly, I got chills thinking about that just mm -hmm. because I think, 
you know, you strive, everyone strives for a bigger purpose in their lives. And I think that's, you just got it. You got it last year. And and I think everyone on your team did too, without even knowing what they were getting, you know, going into a season and you're not expecting that. But that's really cool that your teammates sit up for you and everybody, honestly, against somebody like that, because sometimes you don't get that. And I think that's really cool that you got to see that from your teammates. What was that pressure like being originally being the only black person on your softball team? Like, have you had that before in past teams or was that the first time? Growing up, for sure. I, I've been on countless teams growing up through high school, middle school, where I was the only black girl. But it's so cool now to see softball taking off to where we literally were playing here a couple of weeks ago in Kansas City against the USSA Pride and there were so many little black girls in the stands and I'm like, this is awesome. Like to look up, see that there's more girls and it's not, I mean, Hispanic and Indian. I mean, there's just so many different backgrounds that are finally starting to come out and play this game. That's so much fun, but it was a lot of pressure because I also realized at that moment that like, if I chose to walk away that everybody else might not, because I mean, that was essentially um, with COVID and people were losing their jobs and people were unemployed and whatever else. And so for us to be able to make money during COVID, it was a big deal when I was like, well, I'm just going to have to take this hit and go home I didn't think that anybody else would do that either because of the circumstances. And again, like I said, I mean, it was like that. I mean, I, I didn't even have to say anything other than I couldn't do it. And it was like, all right, well, we're, we're done too. And so it was, it was so powerful. And, and I look back at it and I'm like, just being aware, my teammates being aware, and we had had conversations, you know, the, the week leading up to the first game, because we had about a two week stint of like spring training kind of. And so everybody at the time, you know, the murder of George Floyd had just happened. So everyone was wanting to know, you know, like, what are your thoughts and what do you think? And so we were having great conversations prior to that first game. And so all of them being so aware of what was going on, that it was so applicable to me, just me in general was, it was unreal. Cause I'm like, dang, it's only been a few weeks and they're already, their eyes are open to, hey, this isn't right. This doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. I need to say something. I need to do something. And so you look back at that moment and you're like, dang, that's that's awesome. And look where we can continue to grow if if we're just a, as aware as that, you know, what could it be like in the next few years if we continue to keep educating people around us? I think it's so cool though that unfortunately it was a very wrong, terrible situation that everyone was put in and you were put in. Um, but it has given you this platform to just make a way and change. And I just think that not that it was acceptable by any means, but just to see something that was so terrible and ugly in a sense to now it's something so beautiful and inspiring and that is just continued to grow. It just, it makes me happy because it's like good does win. And I think that a lot of the time we see you know, I know media, everyone has their own perspective on what, how that is and perceived. And I think that sometimes that you hear all the bad for so long that it's nice to hear the good um, and that things are happening. So I think that's just so wonderful. And um, I, I'm so excited to continue seeing that we were kind of creeping on your Instagram. We're like, this girl is so strong and she's got all this power behind her. And so how awesome is it that you have just ran with it? I think that's great. Thank you. I mean, it was, 
It was really hard too. I mean, there were so many people that were like, you guys quit, like shame on you. Like, you know, there were so many negative comments that we were receiving throughout that whole week. And I told all of the girls, I said, you guys know, like, you know, in our hearts, what we're doing and what we did was right. And we have to ride the waves that we make. And this is, this was a huge wave because at the time, nothing was really going on. No sports were going on in, in the softball community. It's not the biggest community, but it feels like it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, if we can ride the waves that we make, we are going to, we're going to come out on top. But the moment that we, you know, get discouraged about what people are saying, like, we're going to, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stay afloat. So just keep riding it. And when we came out on top and we played that first game as this is us, I tell you, I've never been, I, I never normally get like nervous before games, but before that first game as this is us, I was almost going to throw up. Cause I was just like, we had been planning. We had worked so hard that whole entire week to try to make something beautiful come to life. And we did. And when it all came to life, we were just like so happy and, and happy that we came out on top and we had won that game. And I'm like, we didn't even practice that whole week because we were trying to figure out how we were going to play. Um, we had one practice leading up into that, that first game as this is us. And then I think we played six games and then COVID like had hit. It's like peak peak when we were down in Florida. I mean, when we first got there, no one was wearing masks quite yet. And then all of a sudden it like just took off and, one of the girls got COVID and it just was like, all right, well, we can't afford to shut it down. We didn't know enough about it quite yet. And so we had to shut it down for the rest of the summer. But just playing those seven games, six or seven games, it was so much fun. And it was cool to know that we were a player ran organization. There was no, you know, nobody else that was really involved. It was us, the 18 girls that made it happen. And that was the coolest part of it all. Oh, so cool. So like a like a fairy tale story. It is. It is. You guys are like the first player run organization, right? Like in general in sports or as far as we know, in general, when it comes to female sports, for sure, we're the first one. So, I mean, it's, it's encouraging knowing that softball is growing, but when it comes to the professional level, it's gotta be a lot better. And so I'm glad that we have so many trailblazers, myself and so many others are trying to make it better for the generations to come because it's such a fun game to watch. People are involved. The College World Series this year got like the most views that it has had in in history. It beat the Men's College World Series. I mean, NBA Finals, it blew that out of the water. Like, so it's it's a game people want to watch and people want to see. And so I'm, I'm hoping that in the next few years, we can continue to just push for it to change. So I love that. I, I was so excited to see it back in the Olympics and stuff this year too, because I missed Mm -hmm. seeing softball on that level and getting to see some people that I've played with and grew up knowing and all that. So it's, it's awesome that you guys have this platform now that you can continue to inspire young people to push forward and build a new brand for softball in general. And, on that same leg, if you were to go back in time and tell yourself, or maybe somebody just starting out in this industry, one thing that you've learned or one thing that you can pass on to them, what's something that you would say? That it, it's, it gets really hard and it gets really frustrating. Whenever you think about whether it's a business, starting a business or, or keeping things alive, I mean, it's really, really hard to do that, but it just takes patience and, and understanding that it's all a process and that if you can continue to pour like your passion and and what you love into it, that at some point your fruits will start growing and they'll start growing to an amount where you're like, I don't know how I got here, but you're grateful for it. 
And so just to keep pouring into the things that you're passionate about and when it seems like it's too much and seems like you, you have no clue what you're doing, keep going. Cause that's when you're, you're going to get there. It might not happen fast, but it'll happen. Yeah. That's a great answer. And we appreciate having you on here. I'm sure that the listeners have just loved the listening and just feeling inspired. But if anyone wants to find you or find out more information about um, the team, I'm sure that there is going to be a lot of people searching for that. So where can they find all that information? So for my team, my new team at Upper Iowa, it is UIU underscore softball on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram. And then for This Is Us, you can find us at This Is Us Softball on any of the platforms as well. That's kind of where you can find most of the stuff. I try and keep my Instagram up to date with all of the different things. So K-Stokes 10 is what I use for all my platforms. But as of right now, I've been slacking. (laughs) I've been social media department. I'm not even going to lie about it. But try to keep everything up to date on there as well. So Awesome. We'll include all that in the show notes too. But We really appreciate you coming on again. And thank you so much to everybody that's listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season podcast for the latest updates. If you enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.